0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Soft Tissue Practice Revolution, the podcast. I'm Dr. Matt Maggio, and I am the founder of the Soft Tissue Practice Revolution, where my mission is pretty simple. I'm helping practitioners that specialize in soft tissue treatment in how to significantly increase their skill set and their business, scale their practice, make more money, all while being ethical and not ripping off patients. So this is one of our most popular episodes, my coaching calls with our wonderful friend, Chris from Down Under in Australia. And we missed the call last week because i was a little bit of a cranky pants and couldn't get to the call in time so this is a new recording and we go into a lot of deep stuff here um really just good information had a really good conversation uh talked about how to potentially screen patients in your clinic uh, rules for presentation then we talked about actual treatment of scar tissue and if bruising is normal or if it's just an indication that it was something excessive And then we really dive into the idea of niching out. And I've talked about this before, is like breaking up the body into different regions and really helping understand that you want to pitch yourself as being a specialist. And it's like, instead of being that full body practitioner, isolate different areas in the body. And we had a really good conversation on that as well. So as always, I appreciate people downloading, listening to these podcasts. It's been a great thing for me. I just love sharing my information. I love helping people. I'm getting more and more people reaching out, saying they're struggling and things that I can help with. So I always want to be a source of information and resources. And I hope these coaching calls really help. I wish I would have had something like this when I was in grad school trying to figure all this out. So as always, if you want to be part of the soft tissue revolution, all you got to do is click the link in the bio, go to our Facebook page, answer a couple questions. If you're a good fit, we'll let you join. And if you have any questions, send me a message. I am always here to help. I love when people reach out and ask me questions or give me ideas for the podcast, um, I've had a couple of those over the last couple of weeks, and I really appreciate that. But let's get right into the coaching call, and we will see you guys on the next episode where I go into a little more educational talking, specifically focusing on the idea of respecting pathology and not ignoring it. So that's a really good one. So once again, appreciate you guys taking the time, and if you like what you see, the biggest thing you could do is subscribe, give us a five star rating because that really helps in our rankings and just continue to listen because I love sharing this information. We'll see you guys on the next one. Enjoy the coaching call, bye. All right, we're here, so let's get to it. Just give me a little catch up of everything. I know you're uh, I know you're going through exams and all that. That's always fun stuff, and then you get to forget everything that you learned right after that because it will not be useful in the real world. So how's all that going? Yeah, yeah,
1: well, I wouldn't call it fun at the moment. <laughs> I'm dr- drinking a lot of coffee and um... Yeah, my body's starting to feel like shit, actually, because of all the time in front of the laptop for the last month. But, yeah. Um, yeah, just hanging on at the moment. I've got uh, two papers left to do. So we've got chiropractic to sit tomorrow, and then I've uh, got radiology the following Monday. So, uh, yeah, it'll be all, all done in a week's time. So I'm um, looking forward to that because it's, uh, it's rat shit at the moment. I'm, I'm just ready for a break
0: yeah one one good thing for me in clinic we had a really good radiology program so i'm glad i learned all that because you'll find as you get out in clinic and practice that a lot of these radiologists reading do shit so the better you can get at looking at stuff and practicing with like google images and all that can really set you apart and you can pick up a lot of things that radiologists are missing
1: yeah i've actually found it really helpful already just with what i've learned and where i've uh, i've had someone come with an x-ray and 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 want to sort of share that and show that and um to be able to sit down and and understand it but then also explain it back to them uh and take the time so that they really understand it too it was, that was
0: really cool well the good part is too so you're not going to have a it's going to already set you apart you know there's so many jackass jack run-of-the-mill chiropractors are just popping and cracking that don't care about diagnosis don't care about anything like that so it's going to continue to set you apart as an expert in your field and people are going to be willing to pay top dollar, but also respect you as a doctor, not just as like someone that makes them feel good every once in a while. Yeah, that's a
1: plan, let's hope so. All
0: right, so first question, when screening a new patient for your clinic, is there anything really specific that you look for, whether, for which either rules the presentation in and out as being suitable? Is there one thing on either side of the equation that would stand out as an absolute indicator? so really good question there um as i talked about in my practice and this kind of goes down to where you are um we tended to niche out a little bit there so we just have qualifying criteria anyway it's like they have to have a specific problem neck or shoulder dealing with it for at least six months and failed care with at least three other practitioners that's a ortho chiropractor physical therapist acupuncture and stuff like that so that we won't even talk to you unless you hit that criteria. Um, but I'm also selling at that higher price point. So I'm a little more picky from where I am. Um, one thing that I like to do is there's a couple, there's a couple things you're going to find on people is like, there's a huge psychosocial component to people. Um, like if they're just flat out crazy. Um, and that really puts a damper into overall treatment and stuff where it's like, these people have some major psychological issues, and it's like trying to decipher if their problem is really rooted in musculoskeletal or if it's like something else. Honestly, I have a couple things that I look for that I kind of, it kind of has my, oh, that person's a little off or a little crazy. Um, when they're self diagnosing, I also look for ones where they're like married to the diagnosis of fibromyalgia. I don't know if that's big in Australia. But in the U.S., yeah, it's right. essentially a made-up disease, so that they can sell people on drugs. But people that really facilitate to that, they tend to be married to that and a little bit of um, off the rocker a little bit. Yeah. Do, do you
1: think you see potentially even a little bit more of, of that sort of side of it, or the those biopsychosocial type presentations because of the fact that you're attracting? people that are suffering in chronic pain.
0: Yeah, I definitely would say that as well. And also just the way we market, you know, I do a lot of marketing on social media and there's good and bad with social media. I mean, you have to sift through a lot to get to the ones that you can truly help. And there's a lot of people out there that are just suffering and, but they also aren't willing to do anything to get better. You know, that's, I made a a post today on our IG and I talked about this was like, you have to be ready to get helped. You know, like a lot of people say they'll do anything and they'll, they'll go to great lengths to feel better, but when you actually lay it out and you show them what it's gonna take, then they're like, ah, never mind. I changed my mind. Um, another really good qualifier for me, Chris, is just the simple question. When I ask pain um, severity, this is a really good one. I always go, so on a scale of zero to 10, zero being no pain, 10, it's so awful. You wouldn't care if I just cut your neck off or your arm off or your shoulder or your foot or whatever. And putting that qualifier in there, and if you get a person right away that says, I'm a 10 out of 10, that really gives me some red flags. Because like you, you, you sit there and be like, so really you wouldn't mind if I just cut your arm off right now? Yeah. Those are really um, those are good, good signs as well. Um, if you're dealing with a psychosocial component. And the other thing too, is just like having, I was just talking about this the other day, was like making it, putting yourself into a consultation type of mode, where essentially what we do is a mandatory consultation where patients have to come in and sit down with us for 15 minutes. They pay a deposit before they come in to hold their slot. And then it gives us a time and a chance to really ask more questions, really identify what we're up against. And then if I do have someone that I know is crazy or that I just know I can't help, what I actually do is just say, you know, I don't think you're just not a good fit for what we do. You know, this is what we end up doing. And then we refund that deposit back to them. And it just kind of gets them out of the way. But it allows you to assess it better instead of doing it on the fly. That's been an amazing change And I've helped a lot of guys through that as well. And they've seen good changes with that as well.
1: So do you think
0: when when screening some of these patients, do you um,
1: sometimes um, like the fit isn't right? Not just from uh, like an anatomical um, pathologic type. Issue, but there's the is it a bigger side of the coin where it's the uh, like the psychosocial side of it where you think maybe this person's not right to work with. For yeah,
0: I, I would say the the majority of what I see, Chris, is like ninety five percent over like when I turn them down is psychosocial components, where they might make a really strong rebuttal about price. They might make a, a rebuttal about scheduling. They want to be in control. They want to be the alpha in the situation. They think they know what's wrong with them. And you know what? Mm-hmm. It's it's so great to just not have to deal with those people because they're going to be bigger headaches down the road. And mm-hmm. it's a lot easier. And it's also a good way to see if you got people that are ready. If people call up and they're like, I need to be seen right away. I need to do this. I need to do that. They're going to be shitty patients because they're, they're just looking for whoever is quick and does that. And if, as you go into like a cash model and stuff like that, it also gets people to put some some skin in the game, as we say, like put some money down. Like if they, they're willing to put a deposit in to come in, then they're good. But if they like him and haw about that, like they're going to bitch about prices the entire time. It's like good riddance. There's plenty of people out there that are willing to pay good money for good care.
1: Mm. Is there any aspect to the uh, like the demographic that you're, you're in where you're located where that's um, – is that a luxury for you, do you think, in terms of the – uh, the price point is there for people so they can afford the type of care, but you can also, uh, you can afford to be picky in who you take because there's, there's enough of these people out there. Like, what, do you think that, uh, could be a limitation in, in other areas for other clinics perhaps?
0: Yeah. And I think this just comes back to mindset and, and broken money mindset. You know, there's people have plenty of money to pay for care that actually works. It's just a matter of, think of all the shit that people spend money on, and the one thing that they cheap on is their health. And yeah. there's, there's plenty of hurt people out there. What it all comes down to, when people don't, when they say you're too expensive, they think that you're not able to, they just, they're like, oh, I can't afford that. It's because they don't trust that you can fix their problem. They don't wanna come right out and be like, you know what, I think you're full of shit, I don't think you can help me. They just kinda put it in there and be like, oh, that's too expensive. I wanna use my insurance, I wanna do that. It's like you, that goes back on you. You didn't do something in the process to properly educate them. When you do it right, you do the diagnosis correctly, you do a great report of findings, like the money is just an exchange for the amazing service that you're gonna provide. Yeah, cool, awesome. All right, Um, it's just, yeah, but I think the consultation's great. you know, you can even, as you get out and practice yourself before you start, as you're getting, you're starting to build up and stuff like that and you're a one man show. Um, what I was doing was like free consults over the phone with people. Mm-hmm. Um, just to practice with my sales and stuff like that and then selling them an exam. And that was tough, but I learned. You know, that's how you get into it. You just get in the shit and you get a lot of people to tell you no and then you learn and you learn and you learn and, you learn, and then eventually you do that, but. That's like your offer you give people we talked about. Like, what are you going to give? A free consultation with the doctor. And then as you get in there, they're like, well, is it really free? It's like, yeah, you just put a deposit. I just want to make sure you're going to show up. Well, I'm going to show up. Okay, well, we believe you. When you show up, we give you your 50 bucks back. You know, but you'd be amazed at the shit people will pull.
1: Yeah, I think the hard thing about that is especially for – you know, when you are trying to start and sort of trying to establish yourself, and um, you know, you want to please everyone and get everyone on side, and so it's. Um, I, I think it's a it's a tough sort of mindset thing to to just take a hard line uh, and almost draw a line in the sand with people and be able to sort of hold your ground and say, look, this is what it is, and if you don't want it, then that's okay. I'm going to move on. Uh, Whereas the tendency is more to, um, I guess, want to try and just please them in every way that you can and and sort of bend to them to keep them because it's a scarcity mindset. Yeah,
0: those people are just going to be pains in the ass anyway. You know, it's like you're going to get three or four visits or like treatment's not working, blah, 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 and they wash out. It's like, you know what, I'd rather not waste your time or my time and let's just call it a day. And there's plenty of hurt people out there that need your care. Shit, you could open up a clinic that just treats – plantar fasciitis, and you could be loaded up. That's the thing, is like people, especially in Kairos, they like they think they have to cover everything, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, all the way from top to bottom, When it's like, no, like, there's plenty of other people, you just have to look for them and get your voice and message the right way. Yeah, that's, I think
1: that's the thing. It's just um, it's being able to reach them and, and finding the right ways to do that, because you, you're right, I mean, the more that I talk to people, there's, There's definitely a market out there, but it's, um, yeah, it's finding ways, I don't know, technology, right ways to connect with them and and get it out there in a way that that really kind of, it reaches them and they, and they, uh, you know, they, they feel that and they connect with it.
0: Well, that's the way, like when you write content or you write what's called ad copy is you have to connect with the patient. They don't give a shit about you, about what your specialty is or whatever. It's that they know, they want to know that you understand their problem and that you can help. That's all they yeah. care about. They don't care about your fancy diplomas and all your extra degrees and certifications. They want to know that you understand the problem and you're going to be able to fix it. That's all they really care about. And you know what? When you can prove that and you can solve that for people, that money's not an issue. The money is just the the exchange, like we said.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: I totally agree. With yeah. All right, question number two, in treating scar tissue, can a post-treatment bruise be a normal response or is this always an indication of something that was excessive in treatment for the patient? Um, sometimes with instrument work, you're just gonna get some bruising, um, especially like forearm work um, and like work on the quad areas where that is. Bruising's perfectly normal. Like if you, especially if you get that superficial bruise that's like just on the surface where it's like a lighter color, The ones I get worried about when there's like a really deep, purple, dark one, you know, that means that you went too hard. As your technique gets better, you you start feeling tissue slide better. You really shouldn't have any bruising. Um, It just means that you were probably too compressive and didn't have enough slide.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what I was reading. And I think it may have just been one person's opinion on their approach. But they were basically talking about how scar tissue in itself is well vascularized and so when in treating it and breaking it down um you more often than not expect some sort of amount of bruising to go with that which should clear up fairly quickly as opposed to um more like a a bruising deeper tissue that's going to take longer but um yeah it was just interesting because uh i think you know i'd always sort of been told that a level of bruising is kind of indicating that there's been a little bit too much micro trauma going on and um, we wanna sort of avoid that. But yeah, it's just
0: interesting to get your, your take on what you've seen in, um, in practice. I would definitely lean more towards the excessive side than like it's, it's normal. The normal people are the bullshit people that are doing instrument treatment and they think they're doing, all they're doing is going through healthy tissue and doing stuff right they're not doing stuff right. They're just blasting through stuff and they're just destroying blood vessels and destroying healthy tissue to get maybe a 10% dose. It's like, if you're an expert and you get perfect slide and perfect treatment on it, there should be very little bruising. If you're getting a lot of bruising, then you're just way too compressive and back off. Do continue to do the drill we talked about a long time ago, Mm -hmm. depth, tension, depth, tension, and really feel the tissue in there because a lot of the treatment techniques out there, they don't respect the tissue slide. And in order for the tissue slide and to accurately break up, you only need about 6. point I think it's like 6.28 pounds of force, which really isn't a lot to break down that scar tissue. So that bullshit that they say, oh, it takes 2000 pounds of force to break up, whatever is, is bullshit. Like, it's just not. Like that was talking about fascia in the foot and things like that. But when we're looking at small areas in the muscle, like you're, if you're bruising people, you're just being way too compressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you sort of find that, um, like you get a sense for the variability in in different people once you've got, once you've got hands on them, and once you sort of palpate a little bit, you'll sort of, you'll kind of know immediately, I guess, um, once you've done a bit of compression work and that sort of thing. um, where the variability sits for that person in, in terms of how that treatment needs to to be executed.
0: You're usually going to just see that in their overall presentation of their health. Like elderly older people, you're going to have more of that. People that are metabolic issues with extra fat, uh, don't eat right. You, usually what I find is when I treat like my CrossFitters or my active people that eat right and do stuff like that, their tissue just melts away. Like when mm-hmm. you're on it, like you you can really identify specifically where that scar tissue is, where someone that's not as healthy have to search more, and then you end up having more of that bruising. They tend to be on, like, more anti-inflammatories. They might even be on some um, anticoagulants and stuff like that. So you'll know, especially if you get someone that says they're on, like, a, a blood thinner or something like that. Then you just know that it's perfectly normal. Or if they're coming in and they're taking a shitload of ibuprofen or some Edsac, you know, as well, like, you just know that and you'll know that you can't go as hard, but if they do bruise, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Cool. Okay. No, good. Yeah. I, I've seen, um, I've actually had, oh, this is gone back years ago now, but I had, um, Graston technique done on my shoulder. And yeah, I just remember thinking this, this doesn't, it didn't really feel like it was therapeutic and it, it definitely didn't look like it was after a couple of days. It just looked like,
0: I mean, honestly, like, Grasson was really cool when it came out, like, 20, 25 years ago. And it revolutionized, like, instrument stuff. But the problem that they run into with Grasson all the time is, like, just rub it everywhere. Like, it has to – in order for instrument treatment to work, there has to be certain rules. Like, the tissue has to be less than an inch deep. It has to go parallel. There has to be very limited blood vessels and nerves. Like, if you're using it on the shoulder or – where there's a lot of blood vessels like no wonder shit's getting bruised and getting beat up but it's just like that whole it doesn't go back into the diagnostic components like rub where it hurts like that doesn't tell us anything like and that's why people are like they're like oh look at all that bruising we did some healing no you dumbass what you did is you destroyed 90 percent of healthy tissue and now that person's bruised as hell and you lost all your window of opportunity to help them
1: yeah, that's pretty much what it felt like, actually, because it didn't actually fix any problem, but it uh, it was a it was, it was a big red bruise all over the place.
0: Well, that's the thing I tell people like the only place to use instrument in the entire body would definitely be um, on the plantar foot. Uh, you yeah. can do a little bit on the anterior zone um, of the the lower calf. You know, like tib anterior on um, the extensors there. You can actually get some good work with the instrument on that. Um, knee capsule, knee capsule works really good because it's superficial and doesn't have any blood vessels. Uh, You can get that top layer of the rectus and the quads, which is really good. Uh, It works really well um, in the extensors in the forearm and then some of the superficial flexors in the the arm. Uh, Definitely a lot of stuff you can do in the hand with it, uh, especially with the fascia, with the joint capsules, with things Mm. like that. Um, and then the other area where it works is definitely on the ligament. Um, it's really good all the way from nuchal ligament through T spine, oh, supraspinous yeah. down super through there. Yeah, and then also just in the TL fascia if they're if they're um, relatively thin and don't have a lot of fat. Mm. Other than that, use your hands. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say about thirty percent of the body's instrument, and the rest is hands. Where Graston and all these other people, they're doing like. Ninety-five percent of the body's instrument, and the rest is hands, because you don't have to have any skills. That's the thing. Like you, anyone can oh. sit there and rub an instrument on something and see what happens. That's the
1: thing, isn't it? I mean, you can't feel anything. So no. if you if you're trying to use a piece of metal across across deep structures, and I mean, you can't feel anything. It's crazy. You're not getting. Don't get any feedback.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and then patients. They don't know any better. They're like, oh, it, hurt, it, it hurts like hell. It must be working. It's like, no, dummy. You just bruised the shit out of yourself. Yeah. All right. Uh, La- yeah. Last uh, question. And we already kind of talked about this a little bit, but I continue to preach this to every single person I talk to or try to work with, like niche, 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 niche. Find a specialty and stick to it. But you asked me this. You said, niche. In the case of students, do you think graduates should spend time in jack-of-all-trades Type practice initially to build experience or go right into focusing on specific regions from the start. I would. Yeah, and
1: so, sorry, Matt, to give you some context and, and why I brought this up again, um, it's really kind of because I've been thinking about it and um, in terms of the niching, how to sort of pick where you go with that because, um, you know, say you come out of. You come out of grad school, and I think, like for me, it's a little bit different because I've had hands-on people a bit more over the last few years. But you know, for someone that comes out that maybe hasn't hasn't had a job in in the industry already, or that, you know, they're really just coming out and starting, um, it's going to be very hard to know what you're drawn to, so what interests you, and I think also just um, what you gravitate towards with your skill set because is probably gonna be something that you're just naturally a little bit better with. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, where do you go with that, with figuring that out? Because I think that's important if you sort of go the wrong way and kind of figure out and go, oh shit, this is, I've kind of steered my, my setup in this way and now I need to, to
0: recheck it all. What I would probably do is I would just split the body in half. Um, I'd be like, I'd either be, I'd like basically cut off at like the T-spine. So I'd be like, okay, I'm either T6 and up or T6 and down. And that will allow you to kind of dabble in stuff a little bit better. Um, Now, definitely T6 and down, lumbar, hip, knee, ankle. They're easier treatments. Um, Bigger structures, easier to get to, better feel, things like that. Um, what you run into those components is more load management for people, more exercise components like that. And I don't think the price point is as high for that as you are going to have for a neck or shoulder problem, because a neck and shoulder problem requires way more level of detail. And then you start getting into the arm as well. You're looking at like fixing carpal tunnel, thoracic outlet, like tennis elbow I think there's more money to be made up top, but there's also way more work to be made up top.
1: Right, yep. Um, uh, so th- would you sort of say that starting up top from day one, I mean, that's uh, That's harder, right? That, that, the skills are just harder. The, the the sense of palpation is gonna be more advanced the, because the structures are
0: smaller, they're more sensitive. Um, so yeah, I would it, I would actually put it just like that. Like when when stuff's harder, does it? What's that tell you that less and less people out there are treating it? So what's that give yeah. you? What's that give you? A, gives you a leg up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. And just go walk around in an airport or look in a, look wherever. Like you, do you think that there's going to be a big need for neck and shoulder treatment over these next 20, 30 years of your career? Yeah, you know
1: what's interesting. You know, I was, I've, was going to send this to you, but it was on the local news last night that um, Australian researchers, I think at Queensland University or somewhere like that, but they've actually um, done some research about uh, some extra bone that is starting to develop on the back of people's skulls in children as well that projects down, yeah, and and they reckon that it's due to um, looking down at phones, and they're actually sort of talking about an evolutionary change starting to happen um so yeah. it's kind of what we talked about but it's yeah they're actually researching this now and it's starting to show up
0: well the thing with low back pain is you know pt and chiro like traditional stuff can get lucky they can help with that but PT ain't, pt ain't helping neck pain i don't care who it is like your neck does not need more exercises and doesn't need stretches now yeah, some people might get some relief with a neck adjustment with Cairo, but they ain't going after it. Everyone's going after low back pain. And that's the thing, is like because it's easier to treat, but people are gonna need neck treatment. They're gonna need thoracic spine cleanup. They're gonna need this stuff and they're gonna keep coming back too. That I mean mm-hmm. if I was in your position right now and I was starting, I would I would learn everything I could about neck and shoulder treatment and thoracic spine and be the best in the entire Country of Australia, and no one would even touch me, because you're the only one really fixing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, just seeing this uh, thing on the news last night, it just um, I just went, holy shit! Like, there's they're actually now, yeah, looking at physical change that's happening just from from people looking at their phones, and it's uh, man, it's not getting any better.
0: No, and it's just there's going to be even bigger population as we go, because now you're going to have like. Think of people now that are 8, 9, 10 years old that are going to spend the next 10, 15 years of their life on their phone. Like, they're going to need care when they're in their 20s and 30s and 40s and stuff like that. And people don't want to have surgery on your neck. Like, the, you've had back surgery, and it sucks, but it's, not, it's nothing compared to thinking about what they do with your neck. Yeah. It's a whole yeah. different beast. And nobody's fixing it. That's the beauty of it. If you want to have a business, you build it up so high, and you build a moat around where nobody can touch you. Because go ahead, go try all that shit. at Go, go to the Cairo and get your neck adjusted. Go to PT and do this. Go keep spending money on massage. When you're ready to actually get this fixed, you come in and see me. And you know what? I'm going to charge accordingly because I provide 10 times more value than everybody else.
1: And like, what are the um, what are the turnarounds like for for some of your patients? So say you get someone come in that's, um, they've been in pain for a long time, their neck's fucked, and they've basically been told that they need surgery, um, but they're they're reaching out because they want to try and avoid that, uh, or they're just sort of at the end of the road and just run out of their options. Um, what's the what's their outcome like to avoid surgery? Do they get to a point where they're 60, 70, 80% function, or I mean, is it even just getting them back sort of 30 or 40% function and less pain throughout the day? Is that still a huge win for them, Nick, and that's good enough to avoid surgery?
0: You know, this could definitely be a a deeper question when we do another call, but I'll just kind of touch it on the surface is, no matter what you do, people are gonna be disappointed. Like if you come in and they're at 20% function and you say you can get them to 80, they're like, that's awesome. They're still going to bitch and complain at the end because they don't get that last 20%. That's just human nature. But I basically go in there, I have my MRI findings, and then I know what's going on, and I just clean up all the tissue around it. I strengthen accordingly, reduce inflammation, and then see where they're at. And Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, man, 98% of people get a heck of a lot better. And I've never had to actually refer it out for neck surgery yet. Yeah, cool. Because they need it, no matter what, even if they had neck surgery, it doesn't matter if they got all the scar tissue in there. So I always presented it as best case scenario, worst case scenario. I'm like, best case scenario, we get in here clean up all the scar tissue and you avoid surgery and you're good. Worst case scenario is we clean up all the scar tissue and then you go have surgery and it's gonna do better. You're gonna have a better recovery. You're gonna have all this. So it's the best of both worlds yeah for sure all right my friend good stuff yeah Yeah, you're asking good questions i like doing these and um it's helping a lot of other people so i appreciate you kind of sharing your stories and um because like i said this is finding other people and it can help so i appreciate you letting me record these and share them with people because i think it's going to be a great resource for people especially coming fresh out of school you know like someone comes out and they go back and listen to this it's a guide by guide of like what to do and what not to do, and it's it's worth it's worth more than tuition because you already have you have my nine years of experience to like help through it. So I'm really appreciative of you for doing this. Uh,
1: yeah, man. I, I as I said last time, I, I really appreciate just the access to you and uh, you know just that you're willing to, to talk to me and and, and do this. It's uh, it's a huge help and it's a great resource and um, yeah. I, I, hopefully, it's sort of. Um, sets a little bit of a template maybe for, for someone else that's interested that that wants to sort of go down that path. And, um, you know, if in the future, if there's, you know, students out there that are in a similar situation or they're thinking about starting Cairo school and they ever wanna to talk to someone that's done
0: it recently, then, you know, I'm always here as well. So, yeah, that's awesome, good. Yeah, I appreciate it all. And um, yeah, let's get together again next week. All
1: right, sounds good, mate. I'll see all you
0: right. then. See ya.